Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Learning to Sit Still podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to click the subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Today, we are back in our Daughters of Eve series, and we'll be talking about Israel's first princess, the younger daughter of their first king, Saul. Her name was Michal. And she would be the first woman to love David, though she is more remembered for her tragic end than her beginning. Her story begins like a true fairy tale, complete with a shining knight and all. Literally, David appears on the battlefield to fight against Goliath. No one else believes he will win, but David had a secret. His heart trusted in the Lord, and it was in the Lord's name that he went out to meet his gigantic foe. He won the battle and secured a position in the house of Saul, plus became best friends with the king's son, Jonathan. He had so many amazing qualities that it is perfectly understandable how Mikkel could completely fall in love with him. And did we mention that he was handsome too? If you were looking for the ideal prince potential, David was it, and Mikkel wanted to be his wife, something that her father was ready to take full advantage of. While this might not have been her way to get David's attention, I'm sure she was still pleased that her dad was in the process of arranging her marriage. But sadly, this one-time move would begin a game that ended in tragic loss for her. From the very beginning, it seems that her father Saul saw her as a royal pawn that would be played to get what he wanted. Listen to 1 Samuel 18 verses 20 and 21. And Michal, Saul's daughter, loved David. And they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. And Saul said, I will give him her, that she may be a snare to him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Wherefore Saul said to David, Thou shalt this day be my son-in-law in the one of the twain. It wasn't that he was delighted his daughter was in love with a good man and wanted to secure her happiness. He was pleased that he now had some leverage, a snare, to control David and maybe even use it to his advantage. He knew that David was a man of honor and would want to prove himself worthy to his future father-in-law, Saul. And Saul set him up by saying he could do this if he produced 100 foreskins from the Philistines, of course. David was more than willing to do this and even proved himself more worthy by doubling the dowry. This was not what Saul had in mind. His goal was to see David killed in the skirmish, but the deal's the deal. The wedding took place and now her love for David made Saul nervous because she was his daughter, meaning she possessed some of her father's ways and knew him probably better than others did. And now that her love was loyal to someone other than himself, He needed to watch out as we read in verses 28 and 29. And Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michal, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was yet the more afraid of David, and Saul became David's enemy continually. This is not the ideal start to your fairy tale marriage. There is no happily ever after for these two young lovers. It's sad to think that a father could use his daughter's love For his own evil plans, love between two people should be cherished and sacred, not seen as leverage. But for Mikal, this was only the beginning. She watched as relations between her husband, 
and her father grew worse, which no doubt left her feeling anxious and concerned for his well-being as it would be for any good wife. This also put her in a difficult spot as well, since both she and her husband lived under her father's house, or at least nearby, and were called to do his bidding more than their own. She had to walk a fine line as daughter of the king and wife to his powerful military leader. Think about how hard it must have been for her to love her husband, knowing that her father was out to destroy him. Most wives want to defend their husband, but how do you do this against the king of the land, who is also your father? Unfortunately, it would come to a head where she is forced to choose. We read about this dilemma in 1 Samuel 19, verses 10 through 17. And Saul sought to smite David, even to the wall with the javelin. But he slipped away out of Saul's presence, and he smote the javelin into the wall, and David fled and escaped that night. Saul also sent messengers unto David's house to watch him and to slay him in the morning. And Michal, David's wife, told him, saying, If thou save not thy life tonight, tomorrow thou shalt be slain. So Michal let David down through a window, and he went and fled and escaped. And Michal took an image and laid it in the bed and put a pillow of goat's hair for his bolster and covered it with a cloth. And when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, He is sick. And Saul sent the messengers again to see David, saying, Bring him up to me in the bed, that I may slay him. And when the messengers were come in, behold, there was an image in the bed with a pillow of goat's hair for his bolster. And Saul said unto Michal, Why hast thou deceived me so, and sent away mine enemy that he is escaped? And Michal answered Saul, He said unto me, Let me go. Why should I kill thee? Saul's irrational behavior has reached a boiling point where Michal believes if David doesn't run, he will be killed where he stands, which is true. She knows her father and won't underestimate his consuming desire to make her a widow, so she concocts a plan that David agrees to. Neither of them know that this is the last time they will see each other for a long time or that they will be on agreeable terms with each other. Michal's worst fears come true and her father's men come searching for her husband. She shows her streak of curiosity by taking an image and making it seem like her husband telling the men that he is sick, which when her father hears makes him almost happy since it'll be easier to kill him. When the men arrive with the bed, he discovers he has been tricked and he knows exactly who's to blame. Sadly, she was not courageous enough to own up to her own actions. Her father was, after all, a crazy person who might have ended her life right there, which could have been a factor to her lie, but the fact remains she did lie. She accused David of threatening to kill her if he had tried to stop her. Did David even hear about that? Did word reach him through Jonathan of what she said? Maybe. Maybe that lie caused the first crack in the relationship, one that would eventually crumble entirely. This is the danger of giving into a lie. It can cause more damage than we know, especially between a husband and a wife. There should be complete trust, an assurance that no matter what, each spouse has the other's back. At a critical moment, Mikkel caved to the pressure and fear, and fear is a deadly enemy. And maybe if she had known the rest of the story, she would have told the truth no matter what. It is several more chapters before we find out what happened to Mikkel. Her father has chosen to ignore the fact that she is a married woman and decided 
to give her to another man as his wife. This was the tragedy for women living in Bible times, whether they were royal or not. They had no say in their life, but were played for the benefit of their fathers, not them. She was suddenly the wife, if we can call it that, of someone else, placing her in the awkward position of really being an adulteress. If you really put the cards down, that's what she had become. Sadly, her husband had not been faithful to her either. The difference being, it was his own choice. He never once attempted to rescue her or whisk her away in the dark of night and take her to his camp, kind of like maybe a rabbit hood and Maid Marian. Her once shiny knight now had taken himself two new wives and seemed to have forgotten all about her. There is almost no deeper pain than to suffer the sting of abandonment, especially by one who should have loved you most, your husband. We love that moment in The Princess Bride when Wesley came to save Buttercup twice, once from the kidnappers and once from killing herself. We adore his line, death cannot stop true love. But it seems that no one came for Mikkel. She was merely a pawn being moved across the chessboard to suit someone's strategy, and there was one final move to be made, which we read about in 2 Samuel chapter 3, verses 12-13. through 13. And Abner sent messengers to David on his behalf, saying, Whose is the land? Saying also, Make thy league with me, and behold, my hand shall be with thee to bring about all Israel unto thee. And he said, Well, I will make a league with thee, but one thing I require of thee, that is, thou shalt not see my face, except thou first bring Michal, Saul's daughter, when thou comest to see my face. Now David wants her back, maybe as a matter of pride, but once again, she is abruptly rooted out of her life and returned back to her true husband with her current partner crying behind until he was told to go home. In some ways, you wonder if they did love one another or at least had an affection. Whatever there was between them was over as she was carted off to her husband's palace. We are given no details about their reunion. It probably wasn't one of joy and happiness since their encounter later would show that there was little between them anymore. In fact, David didn't even refer to her as his wife. He just said, Mikhail Saul's daughter. Someone once said that she watched her husband flee from a window during the night and our final mention of her would include her watching him through another window during the evening. David has returned the ark to its proper place in the tabernacle and David is out celebrating and giving gifts to everyone and dancing his heart out. He chose to lay aside his royal garments and danced in a simple linen ephod which seems to displease Michal. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord and she despised him in her heart. That's 2 Samuel 6 verse 16. The word despised means contemptible. Think to scorn. She who loved him before he was crowned king was now filled with scorn in her heart. Though her actions were not right, I believe it is important to remember that she is also a very wounded woman. She had fallen in love with the lowly shepherd whose bravery and loyalty to God had won the hearts of the people, including her own. But their love was severely tested and both failed to protect it. David, leader of valiant men, never went back for her, never defended her, and only requested she be returned to him since she was his, not out of love but pride. 
She had been played as upon her whole life and watched as the man she had loved first revel in his position as king along with his multiple wives and concubines. Put yourself in her shoes. It is hard to say whether we would have a struggle with the same pain and resentment. Tragically, she gave in completely to the feelings of bitterness and let it consume her to her core. Notice that it says she despised him in her heart and as often the case, what is in the heart will make itself known. Verse 20 tells us what she says to her husband. Then David returned to bless his household, and Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaidens of his servants, as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovereth himself. David is in a good mood and wants to bless his household on this joyous occasion, but he is met with a sarcastic attitude by his first wife. It is clear that she was not pleased by his behavior, but of course, she missed the fact that it was not before the people, but before the Lord that David danced, as we read in his response in the following verse. David said unto Michal, It was before the Lord which chose me before thy father and before all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore will I play before the Lord. Again, I want to go back to some basic information. Michal had loved David at one point. But remember where she is in her life now. She has been taken from a man who seemed to love her and returned to David more than likely to satisfy his pride. She has also lost the majority of her family. Think about that. Her father and brothers are all dead. Even though he was not the best father, he was still her father. And I'm sure it was hard to hear of not just his death, but all of her brothers, all of them on the same day. Now she lives in a palace, but without a purpose. David seems to want nothing more to do with her as he has moved on to other women like Abigail. I know that my heart would have been utterly crushed. So those words of sarcasm and accusations were spoken more out of a hurting heart. But David never even took the time to care. Instead, he rubbed salt into her wound by reminding her that God had chosen him as king instead of her father. You don't think she knew that? In a moment when she needed compassion, she was met with insensitivity. I believe this is an important lesson for us to learn before responding to someone's rude comment. Take a moment to consider where it came from. There may be less hurt spread and harsh comeback lines saved if we chose to take a closer look at the individual instead. Tragically, these two individuals let their emotions get the better of them and it ended in a severe consequence for Mikkel as we read in verses 22 and 23. And I will yet be more vile than thus and will be base in mine own sight and of the maidservants which thou hast spoken of, of them shall I be had in honor. Therefore, Mikkel, the daughter of Saul, had no child unto the day of her death. The one thing every woman desired in that time would be denied to her. She who began as Israel's first princess with a chance to be royal in every way seemed to cave in to the pressure. Of course, she had been mistreated in numerous ways, but I remember the story 
of The Little Princess. I loved that story as a child, and I, I still do to this day because of the wonderful lesson it taught. Even though you may have nothing, and as poor as can be, and people have been unkind and rude and selfish, you can still behave like a princess, compassionate, gracious, and loving. May we choose to be women who behave like the princess of the King of Kings. And that is where we will end today's episode. Let's be women who speak words of compassion and kindness to others. Women who hold back those comeback lines to the rude person in front of us and take a moment to consider that there might be a deeper issue behind their sarcastic and hurtful words. God might want to use us to minister grace to their hearts and help them begin to heal from their past. The more we spend in the quiet place, the more in tune we will be with the Holy Spirit and ready to be used to make a difference. I pray you have a wonderful day, my friends, and let's dwell in the quiet place. Mm-hmm.